to be reading several verses of Scripture out of the book of Exodus, if you have your Bibles. I'll be reading the English Standard Version, chapter 1, starting with verse 15, and I will read all the way through chapter 2, verse 10. But I'm going to try to read through it quickly. It's going to be full screen for those of you who are watching from home. Exodus chapter 1, starting with verse 15. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra, and the other Puah, When you serve as midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but let the male children live. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwife said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every son that is born to the Hebrews you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, while her young women walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds, and she sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she said, I drew him out of the water. I want to preach a message to you today in this position series I've simply titled Positioned for Protection. Positioned for Protection. I want to ask you, if you will, one more time to pray with me and for me. Father, we just thank you for your presence today. We love you. We glorify you. We honor you. God, I believe today you have a word for all of your people. God, regardless of our status of any kind, you have a word for everybody today. So, Lord, I, I pray today that you would anoint my lips to not speak any words but yours. It wouldn't be my words but yours. And, God, I pray, Lord, that you would anoint every ear to hear and every heart to receive your word today. God, if I've ever stood in the pulpit and needed you to help me, today is the day. God, I'm asking you that this word would go forth in the power and in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit. That it would touch hearts and change lives and change minds today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Nicholas. God can deliver people from all kinds of hardships, adversity, or insecurity when we trust in Him with our whole heart. The Lord orchestrated people, events, 
and situations to see that Moses was delivered into the safe care of Pharaoh's daughter to accomplish his greater purpose for the people of God. I want to tell you today that we need, the church needs to allow the Lord to bring us through all kinds of trouble so that he can work his will in and through our lives. Uh, When Moses was born, the king of Egypt ordered for all of the male Jewish babies to be put to death. That's significant. The king wanted to destroy the people of God, but he was prevented from doing so in in various many ways. The God-fearing Jewish midwives ignored the king's order, and they allowed the male children to live. If you'll remember in verse 19, they told the king, well, the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous, and they give birth before the midwife even comes to them. And so when Moses' mother gave birth to her son, she hid him for three months. I think that is significant. About how long have we been dealing with COVID-19? About three months. She hid him for three months, but she could not hide him anymore from the evil king's eye. So she got a, a, a... basket made of bulrushes, or in another word, papyrus, if you know what papyrus is. And she got this papyrus basket, and she placed the child in it, and she put it among the reeds of the Nile River. And soon the Pharaoh's daughter saw this basket and sent her slave girl to retrieve it for her. And quickly, Moses' mother, his real mother, was summoned to nurse the child And Pharaoh's daughter paid her for the service of caring for her own infant. Pharaoh's daughter then later called Moses her son. Can I tell you today that God opposes any evil attempts to destroy his people who are doing his will. God will oppose any evil attempts to destroy his people who are doing his will. And the Lord promises to deliver those who trust in him and his infallible word. Now, I want to talk to you for a few moments today about God, our protector. Does anybody know anybody this morning who has been rescued from danger or difficulty? Anybody? Anybody know anybody who's been rescued from danger or difficulty? Is there anybody saved in the house this morning? Can I see your hands? If anybody's saved and you know you're saved, well, can I tell you that if you are here this morning or you're watching this morning and you are saved, then the Lord has delivered you from sin. The Lord has delivered you from danger. The Lord has delivered you from hell and judgment through the saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and the work that he did for you and I on that cross. Can I get an amen this morning? Our world, and remember, I wrote this message, most of it, before, about three weeks ago. Let's just leave it there. Our world is filled with both oppression and hatred, even as I speak this morning. That's what I wrote. Today, everywhere you look, you can see the results 
of both oppression and hate. Now, yes, I just added this, but I want to tell you something. Violence and rioting are not the answer to oppression and injustice. Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., said it in his day, and it still rings true for today because it is the Word of God. And here's what he said. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate, hear your preacher this morning, cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Yes, racism and social injustice do exist. But both of them, and you hear me when I say this, and I mean it with my whole heart, both of them are sickening in the sight of God. Both of them. Both of them are disgusting in the sight of God. But they do exist nonetheless. But somewhere along the way, listen to me, the church has forgotten about Jehovah Roy. God is my protector. Somewhere along the way, even the church has forgotten about Jehovah El Elyon. God is my defender. I came to tell somebody here today that God will position your life for His protection if you'll put your trust in Him. Hello, somebody. If you are a child of God, Regardless of your social status, economic status, racial status, sexual status or gender, regardless of any of those things, if you are a child of God, God has promised you in His Word. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. You can know that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith God. That's what the Word said in Isaiah 59 and 19. So what are you saying, Pastor? I am saying, when you fight, God can. When you fight, God can't. But when you give it to God, hear me this morning. I'm going to prove it to you in the Word. But when you give it to God, and you place it in His hand, he will wipe out half of hell just to keep you safe. But you got to give it to God. So therein lies the problem. We fail to realize what we're fighting. I said we fail to realize what it is we're fighting. This world is not fighting a battle against skin. I know it's going to get quiet. Let me just throw this in here while I'm at it. 
I don't know what you know about your pastor or what you think you know about my vision for this church. But my vision is to see a multicultural, multi-ethnic, diverse body of believers who come together as one family and worship the one true God. James Patterson don't know it, but I've prayed people like him into this church. Wendy Large don't know it, but I've prayed people like her into this church. Why? Because I've asked God to send them from all walks of life. I've asked God to send them from every background. When God, Let me tell you something this morning. I know we're living in Corbin, Kentucky, but when God looks at people, He don't see the color of their skin. Hello, somebody. When God looks at people, He don't see the color of their skin. When I was growing up, maybe we need to go back to it in children's church. We sung a little song that said red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in His sight. Jesus loves everybody. So this world is not fighting a battle against skin. Let me prove that to you from God's Word. Ephesians chapter 6 and verses 12 and 13. For we are not fighting flesh and blood enemies. We're not fighting skin. That's what flesh is, by the way. We're not fighting flesh and blood enemies. Here's what we're fighting. We're fighting against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against uh, evil spirits in heavenly places. So what does the word say? He says, therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. If I've ever seen a time where the enemy is trying to influence God's people to fight with carnal weapons instead of the armor of God, it's today. I want to tell you something this morning, young and old alike. You want to wage war against something? You want to fight somebody? You want to make a difference, you say? Then I'll tell you what you need to do. You lock yourself in a prayer closet. You clothe yourself in the armor of God. You wage war against the powers of hell. And then you sit back and watch God do the fighting. Because God has never... Lost a battle. I said he's never lost a battle. Let me tell you something else he's never done. He's never killed the innocent in the midst of a battle either. He's never killed the innocent in the midst of the fighting. No, sir. The God that we serve knows how to handle the wicked and spare the righteous both at the same time. So I want to talk to you a little bit today about positioning. It's not always what it looks like. Look at somebody and say, it's not always what it looks like. See, the Lord delivered baby Moses from the waters of the Nile. God can use anyone to perform His mighty works because He is sovereign. Sovereign means, if you don't know what sovereign means, the definition is to possess supreme or ultimate power. In other words, 
in modern day terminology, God is large and in charge. Say amen, somebody. And we need to learn to pray and to believe that the Lord will deliver us in a way that will enable us to accomplish everything that He has asked us to do. Now you may ask this question, and it's a good question to ask. Why does God allow difficulties to come into the lives of His people? See, many times in our lives, what we see as trouble or difficulty is God positioning us for His protection in our lives. The protecting hand of God will always bring deliverance one way or another. Throughout the Old Testament, the word salvation can be used interchangeably with deliverance. And in our text today, God delivered Moses from terrible dangers, from oppression, very real oppression. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. And stress and distress. See, Moses was born at a time when Egypt had become a house of bondage for the Jews. I want to tell you something today. Every place that looks or sounds like a safe place may not really be safe. Let me say that again. Every place that may look like or sound like a safe place may not really be safe. Be careful that the place where some people think they are safe may soon become a place of affliction and oppression. Things are not always as they seem. Listen to me, parents. Even if you're a parent of one as old as mine, 19 years old, sometimes things sound good and wholesome and safe. But then when you look deep into them, you discover that they also have hidden agendas and evil and hatred which they possess. Wow, it's quiet. If you look deep in and you study it, I'm going to say something. I know it's not going to set real well with everybody. I'm just going to say this. Don't take my word for it. Don't take my word for it. Research it for yourselves. But I do want to ask you to do this if you're a child of God. Research it before you hashtag it. Why do you say that, Pastor? I didn't have to do this in the first service, but I feel like I'm going to have to get real right now. Wow. Wow. I had no intentions of getting this specific, but I feel like I need to get specific. What happened to George Floyd was an absolute, utter disgrace in the sight of God. Yes, it was. The policeman that handled him disgracefully, distastefully, and unhumanitarily handled him. And God does not approve of that. But let me tell you something. And this is why I felt like I needed to say it. 
Because if you research it, do you know what you'll find out? One of the number one, like I said, don't take my word for it, research it. One of the number one agendas is right now to completely defund all the police. Think about that. Completely defund all of the police. Can I tell you something? We have a, and he's not said one word to me about this, and he's around here working somewhere, and he sat in and listened to the message in the 845 service. And I didn't say this to him or call him out. But we have one of the best, most upright law enforcement officers that you will ever meet in this life, in this church, and he sits on the council of this church. And he probably wouldn't want you to know this, but I know it because I'm also a close personal friend of his. And the last thing that he wanted to do was have to be called to the situation in Louisville to work in the middle of that. You know why? Because of the things that are happening to the policemen. Now listen, what that one guy did was absolutely terrible and disgusting. But that does not mean that that's the way that my friend and the councilman in this church operates. He still operates in an upright manner. He still deserves love and respect. Did you hear me? That everybody ain't bad just because one person is bad. Hello, somebody. We cannot label it that way. That will never get the job done. That's why Dr. King said, darkness will never get rid of darkness. Only light can do that. Hate will never get rid of hate. Only love can do that. Just research it. That's all I'm asking. But realize that our only true safe place... I don't care who you are or where you're from. Your only true safe place in this world is in Jesus Christ. That's it. Psalms chapter 16 and verse 11. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So back to my text here. Pharaoh became angry. He became envious. He became resentful at the fact that the people of God prospered in the land of Egypt. Can I tell you, when we prosper, we can be sure that others will hate us out of a feeling called envy. I'm not a Taylor Swift fan. But Taylor Swift said it best. Haters going to hate, 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 right? That's what she said. Yeah, kids, I know that song. What do you think about that? But you can be sure. Haters are always going to hate. When you prosper, others are going to hate you. And so in this time, oppression, very real oppression, I want you to know that. There are three instances in this story, and I'm going to talk about all three of them, where God dealt with racial injustice. Three different times. Oppression soon swept over the Jews because of the bitter jealousy of Pharaoh. Do you hear your pastor this morning? The Jews were oppressed. The Egyptians feared that the people of Israel should join their enemies and force them up out of their own land. Can I tell you today that wickedness is always cowardly and unjust? Wickedness is always cowardly and unjust. Evil will make a person fear where no fear is and run when nobody's pursuing. So the wicked set out to repress the people of Israel. God's people had taskmasters set over them not only to burden them but to afflict them with their burdens. They not only made them serve for Pharaoh's profit, but their lives just became bitter. But yet the Israelites wonderfully increased. 
Christianity often spreads the most when it is persecuted. Did you know that? Christianity often spreads the most when it is persecuted. The blood of the martyrs has often been called the seed of the church. Let us serve notice as the people of God. Let us serve notice this morning that whoever plots against the Lord and His people, regardless of what their social status is, their racial status, or any of those things, if they are God's people, whoever plots against the Lord and His people will bring great pain and great calamity upon themselves. The Egyptians tried to destroy Israel by the murder of their male people. All of them. Can I tell you that hatred always stirs up terrible strife. And so the king, if you ladies, if you want to know, why didn't he spare, why did he spare the females? He wanted to use them as wives for the men. So he spared their lives. And just in the nick of time, God sent a deliverer in the person of Moses. See, the enemies of God are always trying to destroy the people of God because they feel threatened by a power greater than their own. When people try to ruin the church, the church, not this church, nobody's doing that, we can be assured that God prepares a way for its deliverance. The Hebrew writer wrote in Hebrews 11 and 23, watch this, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. Another translation said it this way. By faith, Moses' parents hid him from the clutches of Pharaoh's angry sword. Can I tell you this morning that we can be assured that no weapon waged against God's will can succeed. When we rely on God's promises for your welfare, if you'll rely on God's promises for your welfare, because He is the good shepherd who lays down His life for His sheep, Faith in God delivers us because the Lord will quickly come to the rescue of those who cry out to be saved. What happened in the story of Peter when Peter was walking on the water? He was walking to Jesus and he had his eyes on Jesus. But when he took his eyes off of Jesus and got him on, the current, on his current situation, what happened? The Bible said he began to sink. Can I tell you, when you take your eyes off of Jesus, church, hear me. When you take your eyes off of Jesus and you allow yourself to be caught up in what's going on around you, you won't stay afloat very long. He started to sink. Don't be distracted. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Not on anything else, but Jesus. But if you find yourself sidetracked this morning or maybe you're watching and you've been distracted, I've come to bring you good news. When Peter realized he was sinking, the Bible said he cried out, Lord, save me. And the word said immediately, the Lord reached out his hand and he took a hold of Peter and he pulled him back up. Immediately, God pulled him up. Why? Because that's how good God is. He quickly comes to the rescue of those who cry out to Him. And when we obey God, listen to your pastor, and we do what we know is right to do, God will orchestrate events and work everything together for your good. Great faith in God delivers us from the fear of human beings. 
After three months, Moses' mother couldn't hide him any longer, so she put him in that small papyrus basket, and she placed him in the Nile River. If a mother would go to such lengths to show her love for her son, how much more can we be assured of God's loving care for his people? Baby Moses didn't know it at the time, but God's protection shielded him from every evil power. If I've said anything today that's tweetable, it's going to be this. No power is able to hurt you when God's protective arms are wrapped right around you. When you feel most neglected, abandoned, or insecure, remember God is watching over you. I thought about that. What would happen in today's society if Moses' mother did that to a baby? Yeah, people view that as abandonment. But God's people deal with things in strange ways. We don't do it like the world does it. We do it however God tells us to do it. But if you want God to tell you how to do it, you've got to be talking to Him and listening to Him and not everything else around you. Hello, somebody. What looked like abandonment to some was actually God positioning Moses for protection. So i got to hurry. God quickly sends Pharaoh's daughter to notice the baby drifting along the shores of the Nile. The Lord made sure that he wouldn't be left too long so that none of the elements or anything that would have happened may not have done Moses any harm. And providence brings Pharaoh's daughter to the place where, by all appearances, this poor, abandoned infant lay. Watch this. And he inclines her heart to pity it which she dared to do. Nobody else would have done it. Why? Because Moses was a Hebrew. This is the first instance where God dealt with racial injustice. Moses was a Hebrew. Pharaoh cruelly sought to destroy Israel, but his own daughter laid pity on a Hebrew child. Hey, I want to tell you something today. When we let God fight the battle, He is the one who can change the heart of the racist. I said when we let God fight the battle, He is the one who can change the heart of the racist. And not only so, but without knowing it, she preserved Israel's deliverer and provide Moses, provided Moses with a good nurse. Guess who it was? It was Moses' own mother. And not only that, not only did Moses' mother get her own baby back who should have been killed because of his race, she got him back, she got to care for him, and God took the devil's money and paid her to take care of her own baby. That's the way that God works. God doesn't need our help. God doesn't need our help to bring justice. The Lord's omnipotence is able to deliver anybody, anytime, from any place of adversity. And Moses, this Hebrew boy who should have been killed, grew up as a prince in Egypt. He became a military leader. 
But Moses also made some mistakes. In case you didn't, if you're not a Bible reader and you don't know, this is instance number two. Moses made some mistakes himself. Moses, who was delivered once from racial injustice and called to be a deliverer of God's people, he got in a situation one time where he took his eyes off of God. And he did what Peter did. And he, his eyes got placed on people and on situations. And he was held in high esteem in Egypt until he, watch this, he, a Hebrew, killed an Egyptian. Why did he do that? He killed the Egyptian because he saw the Egyptian smiting one of his Hebrew brethren. Not his earthly brother, but he saw, you know, us guys say we call each other bro all the time. We're not brothers, but we call each other bro. He saw an Egyptian smiting one of his bros. So Moses went out in anger and in rage. This is what happens when we get our eyes off of God and our, on our own situation. He went out in anger and in rage and he killed that Egyptian in cold blood. Not only did he kill him, he buried him in the sand. And he thought nobody was looking. Mmm. Mm, mm, mm. I get so concerned sometimes about this generation, parents, that we're raising. We want to condemn people in public for things we do in ourselves in private. Hmm. We're raising our kids to live a double standard. And we're sitting back. My Lord, this ain't in my notes, but I'm going to preach it right now. We're sitting back and we're saying, oh, they're their own person. They can make up their own mind. They got their own views. I didn't have no views. I was allowed to have my own until I bought my own place and paid my own bills. Hello. My mother shoved her views down my throat via her fist if she needed to. Her views were my views. Until I paid my bills... And live by myself, I didn't have a right to have my own views. Hello, somebody. And we're, we're raising kids to have double standards. And we're saying it's okay, they got their own views. No, it's not okay. God's way is the only way that's okay. And if you don't know what God, you know what the other problem is? The next problem is we got some parents my age and maybe even a little older that don't really know the ways of God, and so we don't know how to raise our children in the ways of God. We need to get in our prayer closet. That's where it starts. And we need to get ourselves in the Word of God. We need to get a hold of God so that we can tell our kids what the Lord said. I've been accused and ridiculed at times for answering. Oh, pastor, when they ask you something, all you do is answer with the Scripture. All you do is tell somebody to pray about this or pray about that. People are wanting real-time answers, and all you can do is say, well, the Word of God says this. Or, I mean, I've had people actually say that to me. Well, I want to tell you something. I don't know anything else that will work. I said, I don't know anything else that will work. But I know when God said it in His Word, I can stand on it. When God tells you to do it, if you do it, God will bless you. I know when you get in your 
prayer closet. Nobody even has to know what you're praying about. God can drop a message about racial injustice in your spirit two weeks before all hell breaks loose in the world. Why? Because God wants to speak to his people if they'll listen, if they'll hear what he has to say. Man, I'm preaching harder than you're helping me, so I'm going to wrap it up. Moses should have been killed. Moses made some mistakes. I've talked about what he did. He thought nobody was looking. But beware, your sins will find you out. It wasn't long until word got back to Pharaoh and he sought to kill Moses. Moses had to flee to Midian. Pharaoh was after him again to kill him. Moses did wrong. That's a whole other sermon. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to call for the music. In something called the Old Testament student manual, the Jewish historian Josephus, I love to read about Josephus' writings, he said that Moses was a very handsome and educated prince and a mighty warrior in the cause of the Egyptians. As a prince, Moses may have had access to the royal libraries of the Egyptians as well as the scriptural record of the Israelites as taught by his mother. Quite possibly he read the prophecies of Joseph, which I'm also going to preach on in this position series. He was led by the Spirit to understand he had a divine appointment to deliver his brethren, the Israelites. Listen, Stephen's address implied that Moses understood his responsibility. Here's what he said in Acts chapter 7. And when he was full 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. For he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would deliver them. But they understood not. That's the problem with the church today as they come to the music. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church of the living God. The word is there. There's some that are preaching it without compromise. But not everybody's listening. Not everybody will receive it. Not everybody will accept it for what it says. So that's two instances. I'm going to share a third one. Then we're going to pray. God positioned Moses' life for protection. He had a plan, folks, for Moses' life. You know that. Moses brought down the Ten Commandments. Hello. God had a plan for his life. Had Moses fully recognized that he wouldn't have felt the need to fight his own battles. Because God fights better than we do. God fights better than we do. Now, listen to me. I talked about two instances. Here's the third one. The Bible does not tell us what color Moses' skin was. But here's what it does tell us. We read later on in the Bible that Moses married a black woman. And when Miriam and Aaron got together, they spoke poorly of the marriage. And they made fun of Moses' wife. If you go read in Numbers chapter 12, you'll discover that in Miriam and Moses, Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. God responded. God asked this. Listen to what God said. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Why wasn't you afraid to speak against Moses? 
When God's positioned you for protection, God will fight your battles. He asked them, why wasn't you afraid to speak against Moses? Here's what the Bible said. The Bible said the anger of the Lord burned. That's the word that was used. Burned against them. And he left them. And when the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, there stood Miriam. And you know what had happened to her? The Bible said from head to toe, she had been stricken with leprosy. And she was white as the snow. Now, when God has his hand of protection on you, you don't have to fight on your behalf. And you don't have to fight on anybody else's. God knows how to handle it. Let me, let me throw this out there while I'm at it. This is good preaching to the church. And when God handles it, you won't take joy in the suffering that's afflicted on somebody else. God will handle it. But when He does, the church don't take joy in seeing somebody else be afflicted. That's what evil people do. That's the way the world fights. That's the way the enemy pursues. But that's not what the righteous do. The righteous will do what Moses did. Now think about this. Moses was the one who was a victim this time because they made fun of his wife and they ridiculed his marriage because of the color of her skin. But when Moses saw what God did to Miriam, you know what the Bible said he did? He cried out to God for God to heal her. Why do you think he did that? Because that's what the people of God do. That's how we fight our battles. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they're mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. To the casting down of imaginations. To bringing into obedience every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's what God's weapons I want you to stand with me all over the house today. I'm going to close and we're going to pray. What you need to realize, regardless of who you are, that God has positioned your life for protection too. Every single person in this room or watching by live stream, God has positioned your life for protection too. He has a purpose for your life. You need to recognize that. And then you need to let him do the fighting. Let him defend your cause. Your duty as a Christian is to love. Let me say that again. Love everybody. To pray and to do everything you can to further the kingdom of God. And to not be a part of of the division the enemy is trying to create within it. Did you hear me? Why do you say that, Pastor? Because I've watched the last two weeks as Christian people, not necessarily folks from this church, but Christian people, fellow pastors of various denominations and their spouses, fight with each other 
on social media and even use profanity at times to defend their cause. My God in heaven, have mercy. That is not the way the people of God fight our battles. That is not the answer. But I promise you, you recognize God's protection for your life. You recognize that He's positioned you. Don't dismiss that protection. Abide in it. I'm going to close with this and we're going to pray. Psalms 91 says this, and I don't need to add to it. Just listen to what it says. Those who live or abide in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. He alone is my place of safety. He is my God and I trust Him. For He will rescue you from every trap. And watch this, what He'll do? He'll protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with His feathers. He will shelter you with His wings. His faithful promises are your armor. And here's that word again, your protection. Don't be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrow that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, hear me, church, those evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes. Here it is. I told you, God will take care of it. And see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague, no plague will come near your house. For he will order his angels to do what? To protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't hurt your foot on a stone. You'll trample upon lions and cobras. You'll crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will do what? Protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I'll be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. I came to tell somebody today, God has positioned your life for his protection. What I want you to do right now, they're going to sing. And as they sing, all over this house, I want you to just lift your hands. I want the church to do this first. Just lift your hands and just begin to thank God for His divine protection.